0: You know, it's easy to get caught up in worry and fear, concern for big picture geopolitical things. And it's right to be prayerful and considerate of that. But we also recognize that all of those things have the roots in individual people making individual choices. And so we don't sit back helplessly as we see what happens in the world. We recognize that When we see darkness in the world it causes us first of all to sing that song to recognize what we're a part of in the kingdom of god but it also causes us to start to think more seriously about our lives and what it is that we're doing that contributes good and value and light to the world uh, that is in darkness one of the things that we can celebrate this week uh, that a lot of you had to had the opportunity to be a part of uh, the fair ministry uh, I wonder if you're in the room, and you stood at the booth and gave some eye tests at our fair booth. Could you just stand up for just a second, if you, if you were a part of that? Wow, that is awesome. Well done, because, now I don't know. Um, yeah, we can clap for them, that's great. Um, I don't know if anyone caught the total. Keith Cruz wins the award for the most hours done in the tent. You can see he's still got the shirt on. Good job, Keith. Um, I think it was basically a part-time job, maybe even a full-time job for you this week uh, being there. So what was the grand total as of last night? How many eye tests did we give? Yeah, I mean, it was amazing. Like, I mean, a huge number… Uh, 1300 something maybe up to close to 1400 tests given and each of those people we did this simple eye test that was kind of an opportunity then to talk to them about their life vision to give them a little bit of a little card that helps them download a tool from our website to think about their goals and not only their physical site but also what they see for their future how god can be a part of that uh, and also each test that was given unlocked a donation um, that was that is now going to help people both here and in Africa with eye care, and particularly in Africa, eye surgeries that are very affordable in our context, but to them would be very out of reach. And, uh, and I don't know what the official number is, but certainly close to 100 of those uh, being funded. And so that's really exciting that um, all of you participating and a whole bunch of the community participating uh, kind of made this, this neat thing happen at the fair. So thank you for those of you who are part of that, and, uh, and we will now pray that the Lord will, will work in people's lives, especially as they now think about their vision going forward. You know, with the eyes that we see with... Uh, That's our physical vision. We hope everybody gets to live with 2020 as long as possible. Um, But when it comes to the more important type of vision, that's where you see yourself going uh, in your relationship with God. So we want to challenge people that direction. Uh, The other thing I wanted to mention and kind of celebrate today is that as we get close to Labor Day, it's it's time to start talking about things that our church offers that will help you grow in your faith. Um, So the week after Labor Day, we're kicking off a few things on Sunday morning. Uh, I think that's the the September 12th, if I'm thinking about my calendar, right? But it's the Sunday after Labor Day Sunday. Um, And on that Sunday, we'll be starting a discipleship group program that you can join into to take next steps in your faith in the Lord and also to forge some connections and friendships. You know, a lot of people come on Sunday morning, and maybe you're like this, where you sort of look around and think, you know, I'd love to be more a part of this community. I'd love to know some of the people and kind of walk my Christian faith forward, not being alone, but with others this will be an opportunity for you to do that, and it's already on your calendar. You just come on Sunday morning, you stay one extra hour, you still get to be here in worship service, you also get to be a part of a discipleship group. Um, so we have, we're kind of working that out, that'll apply for kids, for teens, for adults, everybody can be a part of this. And, uh, and so this week, in your email from the church, You will get um, a little bit more detail on how that will look and you'll also get kind of an evaluation tool to help figure out where you should plug in uh, to this new opportunity to walk forward as a disciple. One of the things that's really important to us that we have been aiming to do as we've been building this, uh, this new opportunity is not just to say, let's teach more content. I mean, some, some, we all love doing that. So obviously that's a big part of it. But what we're interested in is what are the skills that help a person walk with Jesus effectively? And that's what we want to target as we think about discipleship. Um, And so there are all sorts of skills that are important. You think about, well, there's prayer and there's giving and there's serving and there's sharing your faith and there's reading the Bible and there's understanding doctrine and there's all these, these are skills that if we build them, they serve us well our whole lives no matter where we go. Kind of like, you know, give a man a fish, feed him for a day, teach a man to fish, feed him for a lifetime. This whole thing that we're setting up is aiming to teach you how to fish, to teach you how to follow Jesus, and really to maximize your gifts and abilities for the kingdom. So you might say, hey, first of all, I'd love to connect with more people. It's an opportunity for that. But secondly, I would like to maximize my life. I really want to be as effective as I can in serving Jesus this new system will will prayerfully be something that will guide you down that road. Um, So, like I said, there'll be something coming in your email this week. If you're not signed up for that, make sure you see one of our staff members or write it down on something, put it in an offering box just so we can get that email to you. Uh, And that'll allow you to sort of assess where you can start um, and then go forward from there. Um, So really, it's been, how long has it been since we've had... Sunday school. I mean, it feels like forever back since March 2020, I guess, and uh, and so we've been looking forward to that point of reconnection anyway. Kind of using that as an opportunity now to be able to step forward and say, how do we follow Jesus forward, no matter what happens in this life in this world? Um, so why don't we just pause? We're going to commit that to the Lord, and I want to ask Mike Ott. Uh, one of our elders to come, and he is also going to be a key leader. Uh, Oh, Callie's coming too. That's great. They're going to be leading what we're calling the level one class, which means that if you're kind of a beginner in following Jesus, hopefully that's on. um, on? Maybe not. Oh, yeah, there it is. Okay. If you're kind of a beginner in following Jesus, uh, this might be the couple that you would meet and uh and they would help kind of guide you forward and learn some of those basic christian living skills that we're talking about so mike can you just commit this whole uh next season to the lord for sure us?
1: yeah my my grandfather my father uh taught me to be a fisherman and and so jesus uh, taught me to be a fisher of men along partnered along with this church so we're looking forward to getting this this role in here after labor day so yeah. let's pray father god uh we sang this morning uh every people, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, um, and that includes uh, these people that you've gathered here this morning. So we pray that as we draw near to the start of this, that you would uh, send your spirit to show us what our role, what our responsibility is as a disciple of you, Jesus, and as a disciple maker in this world. So we pray your blessing, we pray for wisdom, also for grace, as we move forward. And God's people said, amen.
0: Amen. Thanks, Mike. Maybe you we'll stick that back up there for Trevor. Right, and thank you, Callie. For, uh, so there'll be other couples involved in all this. We'll introduce them in the next couple of weeks. Um, I'm excited that what, what I believe this provides is for anyone at any stage in their Christian development, it's a next step. So if you'd say, hey, I feel like I'm already like a, a thriving disciple of Jesus. I already kind of know the basics and I'm living them. There, there's a step in this for you to take. Uh, or if you would say, I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm not exactly a beginner, but I still need to get my rhythm and actually learn what it means to like, live like Jesus lived in my life. There'll be steps for you as well. Um, so make sure you take advantage of that and kind of plan that Sunday after Labor Day, you're going to expand the time that you come to church from just one hour now to about two hours, maybe two and a half, because there's a little bit of break in the middle, and that will not only expand your learning and your opportunity from a spiritual perspective, but it will also help you root into this community and become not just a part of sort of the congregation that worships together, but a part of the family that grows together and works together. Um, So on that note, let's continue on with our series now, A New Way of Thinking, Really grateful for Pastor Dell sort of initiating this series and helping us kind of get to a new place of recognizing if we want our lives to change and if we want to go the right direction, if we want to grow in our faith, that doesn't happen if we just do what we've always done. We have to change the way we think, we have to change the way we behave. Um, And sometimes that's easier said than done. So in church, we can get all sort of psyched up about changing our behavior. Go, yeah, I'm going to make better resolutions. I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what. I'm going to kick these bad habits to the curb. I'm going to start all these good habits. And then we get home and the temptation and busyness and stress of life kind of overwhelms a lot of that. And we feel like, wow, how will I ever get out of the rut of just intending good, but never actually taking action toward good? Okay, so just kind of reviewing where we are so far on this road to change, this road of changing our minds that leads to a change of our lives. First, we talked about awareness. Remember the Pharisee and the tax collector? The tax collector was known as a sinner, and he didn't hide that. He was well aware. And so when he went to the temple to pray, he said, God, have mercy on me. I need your help. Well, then the Pharisee who was supposed to be holy, who would would have been known as a holy man, he goes to the temple totally unaware of the real condition of his heart, and he's praying these prayers of judgmentalism and one-upsmanship and believing that he's better than other people, completely missing the truth. And so here you have this example of the fact that it's possible to be very religious, but not aware of your actual heart condition. Then we talked about acceptance, which means once you, once you see the mess, once you see the reality that is in your life, you start to take responsibility for it. You would start to accept that so that on the basis of that, you can change. People who don't want to accept it would, you know, try to shift blame to others or try to excuse things away. Uh, maybe they would try to build some other way of like, you know, kind of answering why this is happening, but they don't want to just sort of accept the reality that they live in and on that basis, change. Um, and so we, we talked about how King David was one who had to be confronted with the truth. The lights were flipped on. When he realized what his sin was, he accepted it, he owned it, and on that basis, he was able to repent and move forward. Last week, Pastor Dell talked to us about awe and how when, when you're trying to change your thinking, one of, one of the things that I think holds us all back is that we get wrapped up in our own stuff, our own life, like it's like we're, we're just, we can't see past the end of our nose. And, and so sometimes if we're really trying to change a behavior, our whole life just becomes about how can I change that behavior? And you start to lose a sense of what you're really a part of, the glory of God, the kingdom of God, the majesty of creation. So the more you look up, the more it changes your perspective about who you are. And then that empowers your choices to change going forward. And we looked at how God taught Job that lesson in the book of Job in the Bible. So today we're at action. Um, Action is when you actually take the step. It's when you move forward based on your new thinking. And if you don't get to action, the other things don't end up counting for a whole lot. Because all the other things are doing is they're setting the stage in your mind for something new to happen in your life. So are you ready to take action? When you see the way of Jesus in front of you, when you see the truth from God's word, when you you know that there is a path that is better than the road you're on, are you willing to take a step on that path? Or like so many people, would you just sort of stand to the side and watch that path from afar? I ought to be on that path. I wish my life was more like that. Um, God will empower you to take that step if you're willing. So that's what we want to walk through. Just a little bit today. Action is doing, not just saying. It's works, not just words. It's reality, not just intentions. Hey, all of us know what it's like to have great intentions and then it doesn't materialize into reality. Most of us learn that lesson time and time again somewhere around the third week of January where we realize all the great intentions for the new year start to fall by the wayside as all of our old patterns kind of get in the way of our new wishes and wants. So how do we get out of that, and how can God help us? Uh, Thankfully, the Bible gives us some really concrete answers to that question. So first of all, just to kind of define it and show you an example of how important this is, really an obvious example, uh, but maybe someone in here needs to hear it. Action happens on the outside if there is real faith on the inside. Well, it's kind of like when James wrote, you know, somebody who waves their hand and says, I have faith— If that person doesn't have deeds that match up to their faith, their faith isn't real. Their faith is dead as a doornail. There's nothing there because faith is something you, it's what you believe. It's your choice to to believe something. If that doesn't express itself in action, then you have to rewind and go, wait a minute, the faith I have obviously isn't very strong or it's not there at all Uh, because whatever it is we have faith in is the way that we live. So, turn in the Bible to Genesis chapter 6 for an early, early example of a life of faith. If you remember in the storyline of Genesis, the world had been created, the people, some of the people were kind of following God, but it really wasn't going that well. And as things started to spiral downward, the darkness was gathering across the world and it came to the place in Genesis 6 where things were so bad that when God looked at the world, he said, I am sorry I even started this. People are so evil all the time, even every intention of their heart, everything is evil. And so just when God would have, and by, by all rights and justice could have, just ended the world, just destroyed it all and said, forget it. Um, obviously, human beings are not going to use their power of choice for good and for love. Obviously, they're using it for evil. Let's end this now. Thankfully, God did not do that. He had mercy because he saw one person who still had faith. So, look to verse 19. Actually, let's look up to verse 9. It says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt, and it was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, "'I have decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence.'" Yes, I will wipe them out along with the earth. Build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. Leave an 18 inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Put a door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. Look, I am about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die, but I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, male and a female, into the boat and keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. And be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all of the animals. Verse 22, so Noah did everything exactly as the Lord commanded him. Now you probably have heard this story before and and you know that Noah's Ark, obviously a very pivotal moment in earth's history, it all came down to a moment not of belief for Noah but a moment of action. The belief came first, right? I mean, here God says to Noah something that would be so outlandish, so crazy that it would be easy to dismiss, to say, wow, that, there's no way that's ever going to happen. That's never happened before. Nothing ever that's never happened like that before. There's no way that God is going to do it. It's not going to be that bad. But Noah had faith, and because he had faith, his faith animated him to do something crazy himself, to actually obey the direction, to build this huge vessel, to prepare for years and years and years for this flood that was promised. Say the whole thing was based on faith. There was no external evidence other than God speaking to Noah there at the beginning. It wasn't like the clouds were gathering over time and it was start, the water level's slowly starting to rise. No, Noah had to have faith that God was going to do this, but his faith had to had to involve action before he would ever have verification that it was all worth it. Okay, we see this in Hebrews eleven seven. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who had warned him about things that had never happened before. When I look at Noah. Just think about this simple example of how Noah could not have gotten away. We wouldn't be here right now if he did with just having good intentions, kind of looking up to heaven and going, God, I know you're right, like I know your road is right, your path for my life is right, but I'm just not ready yet to take action. I think I'm just going to keep doing my own thing a little bit longer. Noah couldn't afford to do that, His, and if in, we would say if Noah actually believed God, then of course he would have to take action based on what was promised and what was coming, now, even though the stakes are not exactly that high for you and for me, uh, the, the reality is the same, that as God gives us direction, as, as Jesus calls us to obey, the only reason that that even matters, the, the only way that that ultimately happens is for you then to take action, to say, yes, I'll do it. And, and all the church going and all the doctrine and all the Christian books and all the Christian songs you listen to, none of that is going to count for anything at all if there's not action related to your faith. So when we think about changing our minds, learning how to think in a better way, we have to start baking into our equation That if I don't act, everything I did before that isn't really going to count for anything. The action is the point of the whole process. So, a few different things we can learn about action and consider. Axioms, because I would say these are so obvious that they don't even necessarily need proof. It's just there for us to take or leave. The first one is, if I don't act, I don't believe. So people will say, wow, there are so many Christians who are hypocritical. There are so many Christians who go to church every Sunday, sort of punch the card, do all the religious things, but then their life looks nothing like Jesus. And isn't that sad? Well, I would disagree with the premise of that thought. Because I would say there are not Christians who don't take action to follow Jesus. Because what is the definition of being a Christian? following Jesus. The action is the point, right? So Jesus saves you, he changes you, he transforms you so that you can live a new life. If your life isn't new, then you don't have life to begin with. So if I don't act, I don't believe. The action doesn't make me into a Christian, but if I'm a Christian, then by definition, I'm the sort of person who's taking action to follow Jesus. Jesus pointed this out. Uh, to his disciples one day when he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and then not do what I say? That's Luke 6, 46. Then he tells them the story of the wise and the foolish builders. You might remember this one as well. Remember, there were, there were two builders. One built his house on the bedrock. When the storm came... His house stood firm because it was well built, had a great foundation. Another guy built his house on the beach, on the sand. As the storm came, the water level rose. It washed out the foundation, whatever that was in his house. His his house collapsed. And Jesus said, this is the difference between the person who hears my word and takes action versus the person who just hears my word. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and then not do what I say? It just doesn't work. So you can think of it as sort of an obvious truth here. If I I don't take action on my faith, that's evidence that my faith is not really there. So the next axiom that we can bank on here is if I don't act, I don't change. So you might look at your life and you'd say, and I really want things to be different. Remember a couple weeks ago, we put up a big list of all the things that probably all of us want to change throughout our lives. Like, we've got to change a whole bunch of personal habit things, right? I want to change my... Man, I'm spending too much time watching TV. I'm, I'm, I'm not prioritized enough. I, I wish I treated people nicer. I wish I could... I wish I wasn't as angry. I mean, you just kind of make all these lists of things that any one of us would say, I would love to change that about myself. Well, here's the truth. If I don't act... I don't change. So you can think all you want. You can attend church services and group meetings and think all you want, but action has to happen for the change to happen. So for this, look over to James chapter 1, verse 22, just to see this illustrated so simply, so clearly in the Bible. James 1, 22. He says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. You could ask yourself, well, fooling myself about what? Don't listen to God's word. Do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. People are fooling themselves about Whether or not their life is on the right track, whether or not they have real faith, whether or not they're believers in God's word. You can't hold this up and say, sure, I believe the Bible, but then it has no impact on my life. Belief has to equal action. And that belief is going to drive me toward change. So again, when I kind of examine my own heart, when I get honest about where I am, I would have to say, well, if I'm not. If, I, if, if, I'm, if I'm not willing to take action, then I have to go back to square one here and figure out what, what, is, it, what, what is what's wrong in my belief. And then you know, go back to the beginning of the process, the acceptance, the awareness, the awe. Maybe I'm not seeing things correctly because if I do, then I take action. That's what's necessary for me to change. Look at the next verse. It says, for if you listen to the word and don't obey... It's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So here's this guy that walks up to the mirror. The mirror is the truth. The mirror is the awareness. It's the acceptance. There it is. It's God's Word. It's right in front of you. But if I turn away and I don't take action based on what I saw, then the whole thing is kind of a joke. Why did I bother looking in the mirror if I wasn't going to fix what would be wrong or need attention in that mirror? Okay, so the Bible comes out pretty strong about this. Would you agree? Like we're used to not being, we're used to sort of like everybody give each other excuses and lots of grace, and there's a place for that. Um, But when it comes to just cold reality here, action is required. Like you're not, this isn't, nothing, nothing else is going to work if you're not willing to take action. So that leads to the third axiom. If I don't act, I don't grow. So why would I want to change my mind? Well, part of it's because I want to change bad behaviors in my life and move the right direction. The other reason is I want to grow as a person. I want to grow as a Christian. Second Peter tells us to grow not as a, that's automatically going to happen to you type of a pre- premise. Second Peter says, you have to choose it. You Go grow instead of, instead of being tossed around by what everybody else is saying and what the world is doing. Instead, grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. That's going to take action on your part. Not just resolution, not just intention, not just definition, but action. So we kind of look up to heaven and we say, okay, Lord, I realize that there does come a point Where I've learned what I need to learn, I've seen what I need to see, I think I know the steps that I need to take, but now I have to take the step. And that's where some of us pause. That's where I paused in my life a time or two, or maybe more, where I'll know the path, but the, the transition to actually doing something differently seems more difficult than it ought to be. So is there help? Is there help for the person who says, I want to take action? That's the whole reason we're in this conversation, but I haven't been able to do it. What do I do next? Well, let me share with you some hope. God's power makes this happen in our lives. So I think back to my own story, and I've told this a few times in church, so maybe you've heard the story of my dad and his his miraculous conversion to Christianity when I was in junior high. That changed the trajectory of my life in more ways than I can count. And, and in all likelihood, I mean, that, that was, a, that was a, the, probably other than my own trusting in Jesus, the most pivotal moment in my life was when my dad turned the direction of our family when he said yes to God. And, I, and sometimes people will say when they'll hear his story about being just dramatically addicted to drugs and having every possible negative lifestyle habit and problem going on, before that, they'll, they'll, they'll see the how different my dad is now um, and they'll say, he must have had a lot of willpower. Now I don't discount that, I think my dad did have some willpower, but I don't think he had willpower to overcome a lifetime of going the wrong direction and a whole host of addictions. There was something supernatural happening. It's not just a willpower. I mean, as they say in the circles out there, it's the higher power, right? I mean, there's more going on than just you choosing to try to turn over a new leaf and do a little bit better. There's power that comes from outside of you. And as believers in Jesus, we know the name of that power, right? So here it is in the Bible, Philippians 2, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So you look at your habit that you wish you could change and you could say, all right, I'm painfully aware. (laughs) I've accepted it's real. I know this is not the path for me, but I I just, ah, every time I try to do right, I just end up doing wrong again. That's when we call out for God's help. That's when we look up to heaven and we say, Lord, I realize action is not going to be based on my own strength and power, just reach a little deeper inside myself and pull out something I've never never had before, but maybe tomorrow I'll find it. It doesn't work that way. Instead, we, we say, Lord, I need you. I need your grace in my life to change me and to transform me. And look at the promise. God is working in you, giving you what? The desire and the power to do what pleases him. And so here you'd say, well, man, the reason I haven't taken the right actions is because I get overcome with desire for the wrong things, and I don't feel like I have the power to do the right thing. And God comes to our rescue in that moment. When we're willing to humble ourselves and admit what this verse says, God gives us grace to meet us in that time of need. So no, no Christian, no believer in Jesus can say, I just, I just can't change. I, I just don't have the power. I've tried, I just can't do it. No, it might be true, you can't do it. But God is working in you. And I love this verse because you see the partnership in this verse between our work and God's work. I mean, notice the first phrase. What are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be working, right? Work hard at this. You've been saved there are, there are, there's fruit from that, there's results from that, there's lifestyle transformation. So work hard, like take the action. There's nothing wrong with rolling up your sleeves and saying, okay, let's move forward in the right direction. But now we're looking up. Instead of in self-sufficiency doing that, we're looking up and saying, God, I'm gonna do the best I can here. I'm going to do my work, but I need you to do your work. You are working in me to give me the desire and the power to do what pleases you. So just when we might be without hope, you know, we kind of read those verses about action and hypocrisy and we go, Wow, I I don't know what to do. I feel like I've I feel like I'm lost. I, I don't ever take the right action. Where do I turn? You turn to God. You say, Lord, I need your grace. And so I'm going to surrender my life and my own sense of control to you, and I'll let you lead me. And when we start to do that, we start to find the answer. Hey, okay, we notice the power really for all of the things we've talked about come from the Lord. You could try to do it without God, but think of what we're get, think of what God is doing as we start to change. For awareness, we're seeing our lives with the light of God. For acceptance, we're confessing God's truth. For awe, we're beholding God's glory, God's creativity, his majesty. And now for action, we're receiving God's power. So when your life changes, and you're telling your story someday about how you used to be one certain way and now you're a totally different person, who do you credit with the glory for that transformation? God. Now, did you work? Did you have some willpower involved? Sure. You had to use your power of choice to follow God. You had to give up your pride to admit your need for God. But at the end of the day, this is something where God is glorified as he shares his grace with us. There's a fascinating principle in Ephesians 2 that talks about, uh, it kind of, it paints this picture that in the future, as God has given grace to people, that he'll point to us in ages to come as essentially evidence of how gracious he is. You might even see say like trophies of God's grace. So you think about you walk into the high school or whatever, you see all the pictures and trophies in the one room. Well, well that, that's, that, that all sort of celebrating victories that were won. Well, someday in heaven, it's kind of like you and I are the trophies walking around where somebody says, man, how good is God? How gracious is God? Somebody points at you. Goes, that's, There's your evidence right there. Say no more. Wow, God is so powerful, so gracious. He can transform people like us by his grace so that we become not only forgiven in a legal sense, but we actually become people who are now desiring what is right and have the power to do right. Total transformation. So here's what I want to offer you today as a challenge. The number one transformational action that you can take right now is inviting God to become a part of your daily life by personally becoming a Christian. So that's different than becoming a Christian in culture or becoming sort of like sort of going to a Christian church like you're doing right now. This is where you have a conversation with God about you. Not necessarily saying, well, sure, I agree with the church. I believe the Bible. My parents were Christians. Maybe some of you teens in here, you've kind of grown up in the Christian context. And so this actually isn't part of your story yet. It needs to be. That there would be a moment when you would personally say to God, I need you in my life. I want to become a Christian and start to walk with you. Jesus died to save you. He rose again so that you could have power over sin and death. And now he offers you this invitation to come and be a part of his family now and forever. The number one thing you can do if you say, I want my life to change is take this step. And so if someone comes and says, man, I, just, I wish I could change, I need to kick these habits or whatever it is they're trying to deal with, if they haven't done this, they're going to just be operating in their own human power, which isn't very much. But when you take this step, you unlock immense power from God. In fact, the Bible says it's the same kind of power that raised Jesus from the dead that now starts to work in your life and in your heart. So if you would say in your life, you've been sort of floating along with Christians, you've kind of been Christianese, it's time to take the next step. It's time to personally become a Christian and say to Jesus, now I am ready to follow you. I'll admit my need for you, and I'm ready to walk forward on that basis. And he will give you power that you never knew existed. So what I'd like to do is take some time to pray and then I want to send you out with one practical thing that you can do next. But let's just pray and commit this to God. And as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed I just want you to think in the quietness of your own heart. Have you been taking action based on what you say that you believe? If you haven't Why not? Lord, I recognize that every one of us, in some moments, we feel like we're plagued by weakness. We wish we could change, but we reach the end of ourselves pretty quickly. Our own power runs out. So, Lord, would you give us your grace? Would you do your work in us to help us to desire what is right and then to do what is right? Help us not to be defined by our words, but rather defined by our actions. And Lord, for those who are in this room right now, that have never personally taken a step to put their faith in you, to trust you, Lord, would you work in their heart and their life right now? If that is you that I'm referring to right now, and this is the time that you need to personally become a Christian, I just want to lead you in a prayer that you might pray on your own to God, even here in this moment. I'll just offer you some example words that you could say to take the first step on your Christian journey. So dear God, I come to you right now and I recognize my great need for you. Lord, I want to follow you I want to unlock the power that you offer for my life. I thank you for dying for me to pay my debt to justice. And I believe in my heart, Lord, that you rose again from the dead. That's why I want to be following you from this day forward help me Lord to take this first step today and then to keep taking steps toward change toward action toward eternity I commit myself to you in Jesus name If in your heart, that is what you pray, then you've just taken the most important step you can ever take toward becoming a new person. And now you get to see the freedom and the joy and the fresh life that God can pour into your soul. So we as a church family welcome you to that journey in the quietness of this moment if that's a prayer that you prayed I'm not going to put you on the spot or anything but just wonder if you'd like to raise your hand and just I'll be looking just just so I can kind of pray for you and maybe talk to you along the way about how you can follow Jesus and take some further steps So, Lord, we do thank you for your amazing grace to us. We look forward to where you'll carry us next. In Jesus' name we pray. All right, here's the practical thing that you can do, whether this is your first day being a Christian or your 50th year being a Christian. Um, On our church website, if you go there, you'll see it says that there's a free vision tool in the little drop-down menu in the corner. You can click that. That's what we were giving away at the fair this week. There's a worksheet that can help you turn intentions into reality, just to kind of define things in your life so that you don't leave this place and a message like this just kind of thinking, yeah, wow, I really need to change. Uh, But that worksheet will help you prayerfully start to work out your next step forward. So your job is to download that worksheet, check it out, pray about it this week. And until next week, God bless you. You're dismissed.